1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. While Paul was at Ephesus, during the time that he was there, there was a great church that was planted in the city of Ephesus. But the Bible says that the gospel reached that entire region. What Paul did as missionary pastor at Ephesus was the church sent out church planters into all of Asia Minor. You can take a tour these days. Well, it's not as safe as it used to be, but you can still do it. You can tour what's called the seven churches of Asia. Now, it's not called the seven churches of Revelation. It's called the seven churches of Asia because there's a church or two that there's just nothing there or there's a city there and no ruins of, no ancient ruins. By the way, uh, Betty, you've been there with us to Ephesus. The ruins of, of the city of Ephesus are just amazing and it's because they were buried for so many years until they were discovered and they began excavation. My first tour of the seven churches was in 1997. We had come back from Africa in 96, and we'd begun the ministry to missionaries, training others to do what we had done. And so we did a trip around the world, meeting with missionaries all along the way. One of those missionaries, though he was not allowed to be called a missionary, was in Turkey. And so we visited with them in Ankara. 
and I did an underground missionary training with people who were not allowed to be called missionaries in the city of Ankara. And then we did the tour, saw the city of Ephesus, and then we went to a place called Pamukkale. Pamukkale today is a beautiful resort with hot springs and beautiful white cliffs where the hot springs flow over the cliff. Over the cliff. When I saw it in 97, it was not nearly as spectacular as it is today. Since then, I think the government has come in, and Karen, oddly enough, they've got, they opened the channel so more water, hot water could flow over the cliffs so they could, there'd be more white there. And you can see it from miles and miles away. It's up on the mountainside with the hot water springs and the beautiful white cliffs. When I was there, it was not quite that spectacular. From there, by the way, Pamukkale is the ancient city of Hierapolis. We, we walked the ancient streets of Hierapolis, and there was uh, the canals there. And, Paul, there were Roman columns, Greek columns, in the water, laying where they fell centuries ago. That, that was an amazing thing to see. But then when we came down the mountain, we started across the valley of the Lysias River, and we came to what we were told was Laodicea. And Laodicea at that time was just some giant boulders and, and columns scattered across a, a large area. And we said, why doesn't somebody excavate this and, you know, see what's here? Because there's obviously a lot of the city left, it's just scattered. Well, guess what? They did. They weren't listening to me, but, but they did. And now the ruins at Laodicea are amazing to see. There's, there's paved streets and things that they uncovered. All they had to do was move the soil. Laodicea... Um, is a great ruin. And then they said, we're going to Colossa. Oh, wow, great. So we came up in the bus and we got out and they said, you have to climb this hill. So we climbed up the hill through the grass and the bushes and the briars. And we came at the top of the hill to a plowed cornfield. Okay, I, I grew up in Alabama. I know what corn looks like even after it's been plowed under. And there was a, it was a plowed cornfield. And we said, where's, where's Colossa? They said, this is it. A plowed cornfield. Okay. How do we know this is Colossa? Well, you can see the city wall. And of course, we're looking around. Where's the city wall? And they said, it's right over here. So we walked over and we kicked some dirt out of the way. And we were standing at the top of the city wall, the ancient ruins of Colossae. That was 1997. I have asked again about, have they ever excavated Colossae? And the answer, I, sometime one guy said, oh yeah, they've done some work there. Nope. I, I checked it out. They, they have never excavated the city of Colossa. Now, what's amazing in that story, you, do you remember in the 
churches of Revelation, Samantha, it says to the church at Laodicea, I wish you either cold or hot, but you're lukewarm. Okay, you know where that came from? Okay, I talked about Heropolis and the hot springs. You know what Colossae was known for? It was at the foot of the mountains, and so it was a place of cold water. And so there was a viaduct from the hot water from Heropolis down to Laodicea. June, guess what happened to the hot water by the time it got to Laodicea? It was lukewarm. And, and there was also viaduct and transportation. It, it, you couldn't just have a viaduct to reach all the way. But there was a way to get water from Colossae, the cold mountain water from Colossae to Laodicea. But, Joe, what happens to the cold water by the time it's carted to Laodicea? All their water was lukewarm. But that is the Colossae of the Bible that Paul wrote. And of the history of that city, you need to know that Paul never went there. Or if he did, he never did church planting there. Instead, Gail, they had a church planter who met the Lord, probably in Ephesus, may have been a part of that congregation, that went home to his hometown of Colossae, and Epaphras planted the church at Colossae. And Paul had never visited that church, but he heard of it. And he was concerned about them, especially because in his day there were all kinds of secular philosophy that were drawing people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he wrote them a letter, and the theme of that letter and the theme of our new series is Jesus, the one, and he is enough. Jesus is the one and only, and He is enough. This first chapter of verses, didn't write them down, 1 through 14. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, I've entitled, Welcome to the Kingdom of God, because in verse 13 it says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son. That is something to celebrate. I picked on Bailey a lot in my sermon the other day, and I can't help but mention her again, because she's one of our most recent people to get saved, one of our most recent converts. And I can say of Bailey, she she had been to church. She had been to church a lot. But she was still a part of the dominion of darkness until Jesus transferred her citizenship into a new kingdom, a kingdom of light instead of darkness, and a kingdom of the sun, not the sun up in the sky, but the kingdom of the Son of God. Are you part of the kingdom of God? And if you're not, we're here today to invite you to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the place of 
all the lost and to be transferred into the kingdom of the Son of God. Now, in those verses, Paul says to them, we. Now, by the way, he's talking about Timothy. Now, we're not sure because he mentions Timothy. We don't know if Timothy was his secretary and was writing what Paul dictated. You, you realize Paul had eye trouble, right? He talks about that in the New Testament. He had eye problems. And so he often had somebody do his writing for him. He would dictate what he wrote, and they would write for him. Uh, there is a place where he says, by the way, you ever tried to read Shelley's writing? If, Jay, if one of the qualifications for being a doctor is that your scribbling is unreadable, she's qualified. And, and I suspect that Paul had the same problem, but it wasn't out of speed. That's Shelley's problem. Her, you lose sight of her hand when she's writing. It moves so fast. You've seen those things in the, in the movies where there's just a blur. That's when she writes, her hand is a blur and it's unreadable. For Paul, it's because he couldn't see. And so it was unreadable. By the way, I'll pay for all this tomorrow when I get to work. I'll, I'll hear about this again. Thanks, Loretta. She's on your side, Shelley. There is a place, though, Todd, where Paul says, See what a large letter I've written with my own hand. If, if you get an email from me, be glad, because if I've written it by hand, my cursive looks horrible. It's almost unreadable. I'm not as bad as Shelley, but it's bad. See what a large letter I've written with my own hand. So Timothy was there, and they wrote the letter together. Whatever part each of them played. Now later on, Paul says, I, and he, he personalizes that first chapter. But in the beginning, he says, we have heard of your faith. Now remember, he has not been there and he has not met them. We have heard of you. We've heard of your faith in verse 4. You learned it from Epaphras who also told us. In other words, we've heard of your love in the Spirit. Verse, verses 7 and 8. Since the day we heard about you. What he says is, we haven't stopped praying for you since the day that we heard about you. That there is a context there that we need to grasp that he cared about them even though he had never met them. Now, I didn't know this was going to be a part of my sermon. I, I didn't plan to say everything I said about Shelley. But sometimes I take license. I hadn't planned about mentioning Riverview Heights Missionary Baptist Church. How many of you have seen my pictures on Facebook of that church that was my first pastorate. When I went there, we were meeting in the Wachula Woman's Club, and there were nine of us in that failed church plant that I was called to pastor. And the three of those were Brenda, Shelley, my daughter, and me. Um, we three made nine. Over the period of seven and a half years, the Lord built a church. We went from that nine to 111 high attendance. And 
The Lord built a church and we built a building. If you saw those, if you saw the picture of the four of us, that was after Tim was born. He was born in 78. But that was Mother's Day, and I don't remember the year, but it, it was probably like 79, it was 80. Mother's Day in 1980, standing in the, in the foyer of that church. The pews that you saw on the flooded floor are, say that real fast three times, flooded floor, flooded floor, flooded are the pews that we bought and installed when we built the building. We built the building with the floor of the auditorium 15 inches above the, the entrance to the subdivision, the Riverview Heights subdivision. And in 44 years, the water has never gotten into that building. But thanks to the latest hurricane, water was, it, it looked like knee-deep to me, almost knee-deep, in the auditorium. Now, you've never been there. there. There's not a single person here other than the two of us who's ever been there. But because of the disaster that happened, you know of them. And I hope you're praying for them. Brenda and I are going to give a sacrificial offering. I called one of my friends there and I said I feel like I owe the church uh, for letting me pastor for about seven and a half years and so this is a payment toward what I owe you and so we're going to make a sacrificial offering for that if you want to do the same I would be glad to figure out how for our church to have a part in that church but the, it's the same thing we have heard of you they did they had never met them but they thought a lot of them because they called them saints. That word saint, now listen, saint is not somebody that the Pope and others got together and they decided this person has done miracles and therefore they are a saint. A saint means someone who is holy. And that is a term that is used of saved people and especially of church members in the New Testament. They were called saints. He says, to God's holy people. That's in NIV. Other translations say saints. But I need you to understand, you are made holy when you are saved. You are lost. You are a slave to sin. But when you trust Christ as Savior, He puts the Holy Spirit of God inside you so that there is now residing inside you the holiness of God. And when God looks at you, He does not see your sin. He sees the holiness of the Holy Spirit of God. All your sins are covered cleansed by the blood of Jesus, erased. And he sees instead, when he looks at you, he sees somebody that's holy because he sees the Spirit of God inside of you. We are not made holy. Holiness does not come from the preacher putting a blessing on you or a vote of a presbytery laying their hands on you. 
does not come from the church or from church membership. I have been a lost church member for eight years of my life. My church membership, my baptism did not save me. There came a day, Ray, that I had to admit I'm lost. I've never admitted that I was lost and called on Christ to save me. I was a lost church member. No, your holiness is from being in Christ by faith. He also considered them brothers and sisters. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, that is the modern NIV, the latest NIV translation, because all, all the old translations say brothers in Christ. Well, that term brethren, and we don't use the term brethren and cistern, because brethren meant both. It meant both men and women. And so the modern translation rightly says brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, when you come in to faith in Christ, you are made a part of a family. That is all the people. The family of God represents all the people who are saved. Now some people talk about a universal invisible church. There is no such thing as a universal church, and there is certainly no such thing as an invisible church. Somebody said, yeah, invisible church with an invisible pastor, with invisible deacons, an invisible treasury, and invisible offerings. Now, some people give invisible offerings, but not to an invisible church. Some, you'll get that later. Um, <clears throat> no, the family of God is different from the church. When you become a Christian, when you are saved, you are a joint heir with Christ, and you are a member of the family of God. And so, Donnie had never met them, but he called them brethren. He called them brothers and sisters in Christ. He also described them as faithful. The faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, one of the most important things could be written on your tombstone. He was faithful. We are not commanded to be successful. You know that? Now, Casey, we want to be. But what we're commanded to be is faithful. Are you faithful? I, I will admit I struggle a little bit with that when I'm talking about my church because you people are hard to get here all on the same day. I, come on. If, if we could get every, in fact, that's our goal on November the 6th for homecoming is to get all of you here on the same day and bring other people with you. I truly believe, Ben, that we could... Benjamin, we, we could have 300 if we could get all of the people who attend a part of the time here at one time and bring some guests. 
We can have 300 people. Now, they wouldn't all be in here because some would be in children's chapel and the nursery and, and other places. So don't panic over the idea of 300 people in here. But 300 people attending Faith Baptist Church at one time. Are you faithful? Are you faithful to the commitments you've made to God? Are you faithful to, the, to your place of service? Are you faithful to your family? Are you faithful? He called them faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he pronounced on them a blessing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. I don't think, Jonathan, we think highly enough about the blessing that's pronounced in the Bible. That is something throughout the Old Testament and even in the New that there would, they would pronounce a blessing. That blessing is important. Fathers, can I tell you that your blessing on your son is more important to him than you will ever realize. He needs your blessing. And every son in his heart said, yeah, I wish. Mom, your blessing on your daughter is important. I, I think about the movie The Kid Who Saw Dead People and the, and the grown woman said of her mother I just want to know is she proud of me? Is she proud of me? Moms pronounce a blessing. I'm proud of you. Pronounce a blessing. He pronounced a blessing on them. Grace and peace. Number two, and I've got to move. We are thankful for you. We've heard of you. We are thankful for you. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for your faith in Christ. Um, he says, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel. Now understand, that gospel came to them through Epaphras. Through Epaphras, not from Paul. Paul's thanking God for people who were saved and not under his ministry. There's a lesson in that for us. There is no competition in the Lord's work. When somebody gets saved at Levy Baptist Church, I thank God and I know my friend Steve is celebrating. When somebody gets saved in another church, elsewhere, some other city, some other country, there is joy in heaven. And Paul was able to rejoice because they had additions, they had people saved, they heard the gospel, and they trusted in Jesus Christ. I tell you, if we had about a dozen people walk the aisle in this church this morning and trust Christ, you say there's not a dozen lost people here. Are you sure of that? Are you sure of that? We had about a dozen people walk the aisle and get saved this morning. I think revival would break out. There would be shouting. There might even be a little Pentecostal dancing in the service if we had a dozen people get saved here this morning. He rejoiced. He was thankful 
because they had heard the gospel and trusted Christ as their Savior. He said, we've heard of, we're thankful for your love of other members. That is our command, to love God and to love one another. They loved one another, and they had heard about their love for each other. That should be our identifying mark. This, this church is to be a loving church. This church, because it's a loving church, loves God and loves others, loving one another, sharing the gospel, should be a life-changing church. That is our goal. That is our purpose, to be a life-changing church. He said, we're thankful for your hope in heaven, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven about which you've already heard in the true message of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of hope in the resurrection of the dead. Hope in heaven. Because we know Christ was raised from the dead and we believe with all our hearts that He will raise us from the dead. We have a living hope. And because of your spread of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ had come to them, but it didn't die there. It didn't stay there. They were a gospel-preaching, gospel-sharing church. They shared the gospel in the neighborhoods around them. Have you done that? They spread the gospel everywhere they went. Share the gospel, the gospel did not stop there. We have a debt to pay. We were looking the other day at the, at the note of the picture albums, laughing at how some of you, I was looking around for Jerry Cooper, I don't see Jerry. We were laughing at how some of you looked back then, unrecognizable. Uh, Ed, I saw you in that baseball cap. Um, took me a minute to recognize who that was. We've, we've all changed, right? And one of the things, we're going to put those out, Loretta, on the table for people to look through. We'll put a guard by them so they don't grow legs and walk off. But, but we're going to celebrate that. But the gospel came here. Freddie Holmes was here for 33 years. The gospel was brought here, but actually it doesn't need to stay here. We need to be spreading it to everyone we know. By faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. He talks about the gospel that has come to you, that a gospel that is bearing fruit. I pray every week that the gospel of Jesus Christ preached in this place will bear fruit. And I hope you pray that too. Growing through the whole world, it's been doing among you, and you learned it from Epaphras. I thought I would take time and go from the bottom up to preach that, but I'm out of time, so I can't do that. My fault, not yours. Our primary business as a church is to spread the gospel and make disciples here, there, and everywhere. Have you believed the gospel? 
He said, also, we're praying for you. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. Notice that he said, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding the Spirit gives to know his will in the Spirit. Have you asked God, what is your will for me? What do you want me to do? What is his will? That you live to please the Lord. If you ask God, what is your will for me? And you do that about everything you do. Then you live a life worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? That, that you are worthy? No, but that you do everything in a endeavor to please him in everything you do do we do that and by the way that doesn't mean you can't take a day off or go on vacation or ever ever have fun uh, I started to say watching the Razorbacks but yesterday wasn't much fun um, and I'm from Alabama I, I sent Gail a text in the middle of the game said this is the first time that I've ever regretted seeing Alabama play well. First time in my life. I, I guess I'm a Razorback. What can I say? Um, but that doesn't mean you can't have fun. You can have fun to the glory of God. Now there's some things you won't do because it won't be glorifying God. But our goal is to please Him in everything we do and to be strong in His power. The reason that we have worship, the reason we have study groups is so that we make each other stronger. I said last week and the week before, the church is the original support group. And we, we make each other stronger. And stronger how? In endurance. So that we don't quit. In patience. So that we don't lose it at each other. Nobody's ever done that here. But. That we give joyful thanks. We have both joy and gratitude. The strength for endurance, patience, joy, and gratitude. Would you like to have that strength? Would you like to have the strength of real endurance, of patience, of joy, of gratitude? That is thanksgiving. Listen, it all comes through the Spirit of God that lives inside us. Give rain to the Spirit. Endeavor to please Jesus by living according to the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't make this stuff up. The strength comes from Him. But you have to be willing to receive it. Then number four. The words you've all been listening for. And finally. We are with you in the kingdom of the Son. We've heard of you. We're thankful for you. We're praying for you. But we also want you to know. Man, we're with you. You know, there's just something about somebody saying that to you, Delane. Man, we're with you. 
They say that sometimes when they're not right there. What does that mean if you're not there, but they say, we're with you? And in Alabama, where I grew up, would say, we're, we're for you. We're for you. Anybody need translation of that, what that means? For he has rescued us. We are with you in the kingdom of the Son because he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That means we have an inheritance giving you joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share. Why didn't I highlight that? To share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. You realize Bailey, you have an inheritance now, and an, an eternal one. Each and every one of you, not just her, each and every one of you, when you trusted Christ as Savior, you gained an inheritance that is reserved for you. We have an inheritance. We've been rescued. We were lost. We were dying in sin, and He rescued us from the dominion that is the slave master of darkness. Figure out who that is. That shouldn't take long. And brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We've been rescued. We've been inducted. Not into the, well, yeah, into the army, but into a kingdom. Our citizenship has been transferred for the, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of of the Son. Where is your citizenship? Am I proud to be an American? Yeah. But I'm more proud to be a citizen of the kingdom of the Son of God. Are you a member of that kingdom? You can be inducted. Your citizenship can be transferred. Just come to Jesus. Like they did. We've been inducted. We've been redeemed. We've been bought out. He didn't just take us from one kingdom and put us in another. He bought us out of that kingdom and paid the price for us to be a part of his kingdom. We've been bought out of slavery and been made sons and daughters of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We've been forgiven. All of your sins have been erased. Just think about your sins being written on a whiteboard. Your sins have been written on a whiteboard. And Jesus came along and he took his blood and he erased every sin so that when God sees your account there are no sins there he will never hold those sins against you you have been forgiven Paul and Timothy said we've heard of you we're thankful for you I'm thankful for those that I had the opportunity to teach and lead and lead to Christ I will admit to you our greatest soul winner at Riverview Heights all those years ago 
sitting right here on the front row. Brenda was our greatest soul winner. She taught the fourth, fifth, sixth grade kids. And man, she led just about everybody in her class to the Lord one at a time. I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for you. I know you. I know your names. I know your situations. And I'm thankful for the privilege of being the pastor of this church. And I am thankful for every one of you, my members. And I pray, we're praying for you. And we're with you. Listen, we need Jesus. All those benefits come from Him. We need Jesus. Because He is the one. He's the one and only. And the whole point of the book of Colossians is He's not only the one and only, but He's enough. He is all we need he is sufficient. He is enough. Let's stand together by our heads. Father, I pray that right now that you would move in this congregation by your Spirit. Lord, you can preach the message. I've taken too long and used too many words and I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just finish the message by the conviction of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father, that you would move through these aisles and these chairs, move through the hearts and minds of everyone here, and speak to them the message that you would want to preach. Because everybody here has heard a different message, and you have the capacity, the ability Lord, to take the message and speak it personally and powerfully to every heart. And I pray that you would do that right now. And Lord, everyone here has a different need and a different commitment that they need to make. And I pray that they will. Lord, we open the altar and we give this time as a time of decision and commitment. And I pray that there will be those who, even if they just sit down where they are and pray a prayer of commitment or if they come to this altar, that commitments will be made. May this be a life-changing moment because you're here. You demonstrate your power and you move by your Spirit. And Lord, may you receive all the honor the glory and the praise.